1: This is one hate minute.
2: A drop of a hat, these guys will rock and roll. What's your name? Wayne Grove. Look like gangbangers working the local 7 Eleven to you? Robbery homicides take Give me all you got! This and- Give me all
1: you got!
0: I do what I do best. I take scores. You do what you do best. Trying to stop
2: guys like me.
1: A podcast dedicated to all 170 minutes of Michael Mann's LA crime opus, Heat, one minute at a time. Ladies And gentlemen, welcome to One Peak Minute. I'm your host, Blake Howard, and joining me this week uh, is a surprise guest. Uh, a, a fantastic uh, byproduct of doing this amazing project about my favorite movie of all time is that I get to find out that it's a bunch of other people's favorite movies. And so, throughout the process, I've had awesome people reach out and say, God damn it, I want to talk about this movie. One of those people is a guy by the name of Justin Armeo. He's an American writer, director, actor. He's done um, an independent sort of uh, vampire black blaxploitation flick called Bloodsucker Jones, which was out in 2014. And his latest sequel, Bloodsucker Jones versus The Creeping Death, is doing a festival run. It's probably going to get a release in early, uh, mid uh, sort of uh, uh, 2018. Um, but... The great thing about not only talking to another filmmaker on the show, you heard Joe Lynch's podcast. Uh, the cool thing uh, about Justin is that Justin began his life as an actor, as a lot of actors do, doing background work or doing extra work. And he was an extra in awesome films Seven, Clueless, Strange Days. He was there. He saw Elizabeth Berkeley. And what I can imagine, while well, I love it, uh, uh, in their heyday of uh, paul the showgirls but <laughs> but what justin was actually an extra in is part of the reason why i'm just absolutely flipping out to talk to him justin was in fact an extra in heat justin armeo thank you so much for joining me on one heat
2: minute how are you I'm awesome. How are you doing? Great.
1: Thank you so much for reaching out. Thank you for listening. We appreciate uh, all of our listeners, but particularly those who have been in heat. Oh my God, this must be a bit of a surreal experience for you.
2: Oh, totally. I mean, it was, it was, I was listening to Joe Lynch's podcast and he mentioned this, your podcast. And I said, that sounds like the greatest podcast (laughs) of all time. I have to be on that podcast. (laughs) So, um, Basically, yeah, you know, I did X-Short full-time and then I, I got called in to do Heat and it was basically the scenes where um, Al is coming in on the helicopter after um, Robert De Nier pulls the fire alarm on Wayne Grove in the hotel. Yes,
1: yeah, right, so, right towards the, the climax of the movie.
2: So we're... Um, in one of the scenes, we're just watching the helicopter land, and they're, they're, they they're have a camera in the helicopter, and they're seeing the crowd. And then in another one, it's where Al Pacino is actually coming through the crowd. So I was down there, and I think you can still see it. I'd have to go freeze frame and figure it out. But I have run right next to Al Pacino, which Al Pacino and uh, like the a- AD actually told me, run into Al Pacino. You won't hurt him. And Al Pacino said, you're not going to hurt me, son. Just <laughs> run into me. I-, I don't want people avoiding me. As I'm going through here so uh, he didn't say give me all you got but he said you know run into me <laughs> well <laughs> so basically yeah, I run past him and then the others the other scene I did was um, the same time was when uh, him and uh, when Robert De Niro and Amy Brenneman pull up in the car you know and he gets out of the car he takes care of Wayne Grove and then he comes back and looks at her in the car and then he take and then he runs away
1: Wow well, yeah. that is that is Unbelievable! What we're going to do is, Justin, now that you've been a guest on the show, and I'm sure you may pop up again um, throughout our 170-episode journey, um, we're going to demand that you get your recent Blu-ray out, we freeze-frame, and we and we get a picture, <laughs> we get that picture, that moment of you uh, get running into Mr. Al Pacino um, and around in that crowd because I think that, that that is worthy, that's a Hall of Fame moment for us uh, uh, here on One Heat Minute, so well oh man awesome stuff we're gonna we're gonna ask some more questions of uh Justin around that, but as you guys know, this is the thirty first episode of one heat minute minute thirty to thirty one uh last week we spoke to Manola Dargas at the end of the week this week we've got Justin our on, and we're just gonna watch the next minute and let it unfold because it's it's the moment where we get to see some chinks in the armor really of neil mccauley this whole unfolding scene has been about that so we're going to watch this minute we're going to talk a little bit about it and justin having been in the film is obviously a fan so he knows it very well but we're gonna we're gonna watch it now you're gonna to listen to it and then we're gonna come back and talk about it that's what it looks like out there
2: you've been there
0: no i'm going there someday oh yeah
2: You travel a lot?
0: Yeah.
1: Traveling makes
2: you lonely?
0: I'm alone. I am not lonely. You?
1: I'm not alone, but I get lonely. Is that a line or is that a line, Justin?
2: It's amazing. This, you know, I'm so glad that, like, I I got to be a part of this scene because, you know, it's such a quiet moment in uh, such a, you know, a huge movie, but it's so damn important, I think.
1: Oh, absolutely. Because... And and I think even more so that um, it's probably got... Yeah, it's probably got one of the the ugliest uh, digital backdrops that probably the, the thing that holds up the least well but I think if you can focus on the these terrific performers faces and the emotion they're kind of like let all that that crappy uh, digital Los Angeles sea of lights background sort of wash away and you get to sort of really experience this bit of this bit of tenderness and actually a little you know uh, there's a hesitation there's a lie there's it's the first time that Neil has really asked a question, and perhaps the only time in the entire film, that he's not completely certain of the answer when he delivers it. Like, De Niro does this great thing you'll see um, in the middle of this minute when he's asked that question. His tell is, he touches his mouth. And a lot of people say that's a tell, obviously, when you're lying or when you're thinking about something or you're formulating an answer instead of being organic. But it's this kind of beautiful moment where... Amy Brenneman asks him a question and she almost can tell that he lies, but she's so sort of brave and bold that the lie doesn't scare her. She's ready for it. It's, it's re- She's ready to talk about.
2: It. Yeah. I mean, he is. It almost like seems like he's slightly defensive for a moment there. And then she, the great thing about her is she doesn't hesitate to say she's lonely. No. And, and that's, it's just, it's amazing. Like she's exact, they're both exactly what each other needs at this exact moment. And she doesn't hesitate. And she, you know, she, yeah, she was looking at him at the bookstore. He, you know, married a couple episodes back, we're talking about how he, he, like he moved out of the way for her when she walked by. Yes. But you know, that's just, she saw him, but he didn't see her, you know, he, but he, but he's totally aware of his surroundings enough to move out of the way, even though he's, you know, totally concentrating on this book.
1: And I think, yeah, Justin, what you just said, right, is that she sees him. I don't think she's stopped. I think she still sees something. There's something she sees through to him. Um, and whether she doesn't, whether she knows it's true or not or whether she knows what his profession is or not, I think there's this really great thing that she sees through that, you know, she's, she's asking the question because I think she knows the answer. And she's unafraid to give her answer, which is, even, which is even greater, you know. Like, he's distracting her with all these questions of algae and all this stuff. And I love that yeah. she's just like, so have you been there? <laughs> like, have you been there? <laughs> no, I haven't. And she's like, oh, well, like, why are we talking about it? Like, it seems like you're, you're telling me about a holiday that you're never going to take. And she, I, think, I think that, yeah, there's, there's this moment that she can cut through uh, the perception the, right. the sort of facade that he's trying to build this toughness um, because when when he can just hide and be disguised in a crowd it's easy but she sees him and like he he's, he's being made in, in many many ways in this interaction um, and uh, as you may have heard in the last episode when Dargus puts it uh, which I think was just completely outstanding is that she's his Fiji like she's his holiday away from the, from, from all the events of this movie and as he's describing it to her that's like an intangible that's something that's never going to happen the closest that he's going to get to that Fiji I think and we kind of feel it watching this movie the closest that we see is he's going to get his hurt and that's why we as the audience I think are just so and and it helps in Brennan's performance like just outstanding warmth sincerity um, sincere vulnerability like there's this awesome exchange happening where you're like okay well this is you know She's about as iridescent as it gets for
2: you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's you know it, that's a good observation. And shoot, your yeah, the what was her name? Your
1: last guest, Manola Dargis, the great. Uh, yeah, she.
2: Her, her observations are amazing. She, I'm sure she could talk about it second by second. It was just a, uh, and uh, yeah, I'm just blown away because he's, you know, he. It's almost like he's he's not used to dating or just being around women because he's, you know, so involved with his work that he's just making this small talk. Like he doesn't even necessarily know exactly how to act. And she just, you know, and she's, yeah, you're, you're right. She kind of sees that and just cuts through it and says, you know, I am lonely and you see me and I want you to see me and, you know, and they need each other. And it's, it's such a, I mean, it's such a huge moment. It's like, how do I put it in the words here? It's like, I mean, she doesn't hesitate. And and it's such a, it's such a, a, it's a way that like you start to root, like, you know, because you got bad guys and good guys. And at this moment, you know, they've killed some people, but at this moment, you suddenly start maybe rooting for him to reach what he wants to maybe get out of the crime life. Because this, this butts up right against an Al Pacino scene where Al Pacino's over the top and nuts, and you know <laughs> he's kind of kind of an asshole, you know? And it's just a balance of, like, who are you rooting for in this movie? Like, there is no, cause it's not clear, like, hey, I really want Al Pacino to catch this guy. You kind of, you know, right here, you kind of want him to get away.
1: Yeah, that's a really good observation, Justin, that wrestle because like we've seen the tenderness and the and the early sort of love scene with uh, Pacino and, and with uh, Diane Venora and then you, you you sort of jump straight into Neil at work um, and obviously Neil at work is not exactly the nicest person he's pretty calculating cold bastard if you like yeah um, yeah and, and now in this scene you see that warmth and tenderness on Neil's side and all the bluster. Uh, and all the sort of braggadocio that's all back onto vincent's court, so it's, yeah it's a it's a really great you know game of tug of war this movie's playing with these characters, you know giving them nice full personalities we're not we're not having a white hat black hat classic sort of western look at who's good, who's a bad guy here where we've got these two very similarly positioned men, just so happens they function on very distinct sides of the law. And actually, what's funny is there's a little tidbit is um, coming up in the next scene about you know something that even more similar about these guys, that I'm gonna have to save it for the next episode when it actually pops yeah. up. But it's a a very very some very cool other synergies here. So, like Justin, we're we're in the middle of this towering movie. Like, tell me your experience of heat. You're obviously in the thing. Was you know you're you know, you're a passionate sort of young full time you know, extra before going in and making your own films when you walk onto a set like heat or you walk onto a set like seven or even you know a teen classic like clueless like do you feel when you're on the set at that time is there an energy that they they know what they've got do they know the lightning in a bottle like um as they're sort of making this movie do you feel like it was as grand as what the product was that we see and we've continued to check out year on year on year and um as we've gone along
2: Uh, definitely because you you get to the point where people start to you know they're filming for months and months and you know you have your friends work on it my daughter's my daughter is in her mom's belly when they rob the bank (laughs) like she's in that scene like um she was in that scene and you know and then i had other friends talking about and they're going dude there's they're filming this movie with al pacino and robert de niro and I said, and so it was already kind of a legendary, and everybody wanted to work on it. And then um, I think I begged, like, like one of the casting directors if they could get me on it. And uh, they said, yeah, no problem. We're putting everybody on it because it's a huge crowd scene. I said, no problem. And uh, yeah, it's, you could totally, I, I knew that I said, this is going to be one of my favorite movies of all time, <laughs> without a doubt. And it was actually the first. My, so after my daughter was born, this came out like six weeks later, and it was the first time her and her, her and her, me and her mom went out on a date after she was born and we went to go see Heat.
1: Wow. I know yeah. what that's like, that first parent date. Where was your daughter? Was she with folks? with uh, With friends?
2: She was with, yeah, I think with my mom.
1: Yeah, with your mom. Great. I, I remember I have, I've had a very similar experience. My wife and I went on our first movie date. Slightly different, though. We went to Thor Ragnarok, so it's not quite as, you know, we'll have, time will have to tell whether it's as amazing yeah. as going to see Heat. But so, so you went and saw Heat. You said, though, at the time, the, the mother of your daughter, she was working on the film as well in, in, in sort of the crew. What was she doing?
2: No, she was. She was not a good. She was an extra too. Oh, extra too. Cool, cool, cool. cool. Yeah, so she was just an extra in the bank robbery scene. I think they even sent her home early because she was pregnant, and they were, they didn't want her being around what was about to happen, oh, basically, <laughs> which was, you know, yeah. which was a Val Kilmer and a machine gun, you know, Tom Sizemore and machine gun, you know, things like that.
1: So you're there. You're on set. Uh, when this is all being shot. Do you see Michael Mann? Is he is Michael Mann a director that's at the camera or is he at a bank of videos? How's it how is it working when he's orchestrating these big things? Did you, you get a set, you know, even even with the extras that people like at at that time, you know, he's just come off Last of the Mohicans, um, are people like, ooh, this is a Michael Mann movie, this is gonna be good. What was the fe- did was there any kind of feeling there that you can talk about being on set?
2: Yeah, I mean, you know, you have extras that are just that probably just got off the bus and they want to be famous and they probably don't know anything about movies and have never heard of Michael Mann, but they, you know, they've heard of Al Pacino yes, of and they, they, yeah, they just want to be on camera and they don't care. But then there's always these, there's always these 10, like, you know, hardcore movie fans. And yeah, I knew who Michael Mann, they did. And, and then, uh, Michael Mann, he was, he was with the can you know, with the monitors, but he came down, you know, when, um, Al Pacino's, he's running through the crowd to kind of, help the AD and organize it to to say, hey, you know, you need to come through but you need, you need uh, some conflict, you need to bump into people you know, people are, you know, he told her told her, like, don't be afraid we we, we don't want, like, you know, to part the Red Sea, basically, yes. when Al Pacino, you know, I know they're like, I know it's Al Pacino, but, you know, go ahead and bump into him, he won't mind, and uh, that's what he gets paid for, or so, something like that, and uh, yeah, he was very, he seems very practical, down-to-earth guy, he d- doesn't yell, you know, he seems like he knows exactly what he wants. Like he wasn't thinking about it. He just was walk down there. I need you to do this. I need this to happen. Then you walk through here and everything's good. And then he would run back to the monitors basically.
1: There's, there's a lot of that throughout hate, you know, I know we're sort of, the wrestle with this entire project is like not talking too much about minutes that are happening too far ahead in time. Um, Right. but But it's also, you know, that's, that's, that's a really good point is that Vincent does have the obstacles of people, that, that sort of hinder him because he cares. You know, he doesn't... He, he kind of wants to run into you because you're 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 impeding him, but he doesn't want to bowl through you and smash and shoot a gun in the air and make you scared. Like, he he's still right. ultimately is a person that cares. And I think of that in the, the major um, high scene as well is when people are streaming out of that supermarket car park, like, Vincent's got his gun... Pointed firmly up in the air, like he's he's trying to get people out of the way so that he can have a shot. Right. He can have a clear shot without anyone getting hurt. Whereas, you know, um, De Niro runs through there, you know, nursing a wounded Christian Hairless of Val Kilmer as Neil McCauley and he just yeah. turns around and he just unloads that assault rifle. Like he he's taking out plant pop plants and barbecues and the side oh, yeah. the side of that wall. And there's no thought of the people. But it's great that you know Vincent needs those obstacles because how he reacts to them I think is a massive part of the differentiation between those two characters because in that moment Neil only has eyes for his crew like his crew are his family and is like a crazy sociopath for that Um, totally and and everyone else it doesn't mean a thing oh wow so being in, being on, being on these sets. I, I mean, I'm sure people would want to ask you a million more questions um, about other being on other sets. You know, I'm thinking about movies like when I when I look at your bio, Justin about Seven, Strange Days. But I'm sorry, folks, this is one heat minute, so we're gonna talk only about. We're only gonna talk about heat now. Um, let's talk a little bit more about this scene. So when we're talking about women in the film, um, you know, you're, you're now a filmmaker and we're talking about these three women, the, these three title women in the movie, Amy Brenneman, uh, Diane Venora and then Ashley Judd. When yeah. you've gone back to revisit Heat, uh, what, what, what stands out for you, Justin? Because for me, I think I've begun to have even more, a greater appreciation, just even in doing this show, um, with Amy Brenneman's performance and and how vital it is to the balance of the movie, but I've always sort of had hierarchically that you know Ashley Judd has one of the meatier roles, like she's got she's such a powerhouse as Charlene, um, right? And, and Justine is a powerhouse on the other side because she's sort of balancing it out, um, and and Edie is like the holiday from all of the chaos of this movie, um, uh, in a way, until she obviously sees the TV screens after that big hoss and yeah. it changes. So what what are your thoughts about the women in this movie?
2: Well, I mean, I think, yeah, like Edie's like the humanity, you know, and, uh, um, you know, Ashley Judd's character is, you know, there, it seems like all of them are good matches for each other. Even, you know, the restaurant scene with, um, size more and every, like all, all of their mates seem like a good match for them and they're all totally different. Yes. And Um, Ashley Judd is, you know, you've you've probably seen couples like that before. They thrive on, you know, the drama. And she's, you know, she's very beautiful and made up, you know, like a trophy kind of to him, maybe. And she's, you know, she's probably, you know, materialistic compared to Amy Brenneman, who probably doesn't care. That's like the last thing on her mind, you know. And like I think I yeah, said in the previous at your previous episode, like yeah, you know, you wish the female parts were a little bigger, but it's not necessarily what the movie's about. It's about these bad guys. But um, I do think about that when making movies, like to try to bring some kind of balance. Like even if you have show, you might show a woman in a bad light, but you want to bring, you know, have some kind of balance and show them in a good light too.
1: Yeah, I suppose that's a massive. You know, especially now we're talking about contemporary movies. You know, you know, a good twenty-two years after Heat is made, um, although these roles aren't big, I think they're deep. So that that really yeah. helps. But absolutely, you know, representation and making sure that um, how you balance things out is critically important. I think and interesting to hear an insight from you as a filmmaker. That's that's good. But yeah, I, I see that in Charlene too. I, you know, and Edie in her house. I think um, uh, not not being from LA, so you and, and not being from Southern California, you'd probably have much better idea. But um, uh, I'm. I'm, I'm Told uh, by Manola Dargis that that is a very expensive property for a person who works in a bookstore, um, but absolutely because, it's, uh, because uh, we love the film so much and we love Michael Mann and we love what we yeah. are doing with the story, we we are happily uh, we we let him have his fantasy and this perhaps little bit of little, like, a realism to say yeah. she lives in this beautiful house. But yeah, you're right. Like it's a it's a bit of a bohemian place. She's got lots of books stacked all over the place. She's got her artistic stuff. She's got plants inside. She wears baggy clothes. She's not a you know, she's not interested in the trophy life at all. She's just interested in what she's doing. So, no, that's... It's, that. I
2: mean, it... Oh, go ahead.
1: Oh, and, but, yeah, like, Charlene's... What's even funnier about Charlene is that she's that very beautiful and and ex- exceptionally well-manicured, made-up mother that could, that could easily be called a trophy wife, but also she's a mum, you know? So she's clearly yeah. worked back to look beautiful again, to keep up appearances because it is Chris and her baby, you know? So it's really interesting to see that dynamic as well, that she's, she's putting work in to look like that because, you know, they're not, they're doing okay without doing amazingly. Um, right. And she's dealing with Chris who's a bit of a child and, and, and she's at home stuck there and yeah,
2: very good. And, And that's, what's important to her, you know? And just like Amy Brenneman, you know, Amy Brenneman just has her hair tied back. Like you said, she's very bohemian. You know she she's she's beautiful but she's you know they've you know kind of toned her down and made her like a plain character you know not personality wise because you instantly empathize with her when she starts talking you instantly know that she's a sweet caring good person you know and and you know just seeing like her place is just like her it's bohemian it's you know it's eclectic things like that and it's warm and you know de niro's place is ice cold and it looks out on the empty ocean that you know that looks like nothing's ever been on it before yes and yeah hers looks out on life on the city you know it's it's amazing it's amazing that you can actually think that deeply about a scene you know that you can actually go that deep and think about all these little things that mean something
1: yeah, I think it's a credit to uh, um I think it's a credit to the movie, it's a credit to the scripting, but it's just that detail, right? It's that richness. Um and you know, uh it's it's become way more evident uh doing this this podcast that you know, you might think from the outset there may not be an opportunity to um uh, there may not be an opportunity to sort of dive into every minute and have a lot to say about every individual minute, but um, I'm just finding that there's more and more and more and more that to talk about each potential minute. So, um, yeah, it's really great. Look, um, I want to shout out, Justin, thank you so much for listening, firstly, to Movie Crypt um, and listening to the amazing episode with yeah. Aswell Booba, uh, a.k.a. Pat Booba, who is a huge frequent collaborator of the horror maestro and genius uh, George A. Romero and was on the show with Joe Lynch... I um, double guess. I think he's, he's put in more minutes of one heat minute than I think even yeah. Buckmaster, Garth Franklin, and Stu Cook combined. And those boys have done a few combo combined episodes oh, together. Oh, absolutely. Um, so a huge thank you to Joe Lynch. But um, bringing uh, people together, uh, movie crip. So if you haven't had a listen, that episode with Pascal Buber, I can't recommend it any higher. It's a great podcast. Subscribe, rate, review, do that. Um, Justin, thank you so much uh, for joining Wait, you know
2: today. what? Be- before you go, we have to, t- we got to talk about that kiss though.
1: Yes, we do. We do. Let's talk about the kiss.
2: Like, so that kiss is, uh, it's amazing because it's not, you know, it's not like this sexy movie kiss. It's this, I mean, they, they're almost just like forcing themselves together, like, and like relieve, it's almost like, you know, it's, it's as if they both just exhaled, like, relief, like, they needed that more than anything in the world at that moment. And then the fact that they, once the kiss is done, they both, like, hug, grab each other and hug each other. I don't think I've ever really seen something like that. I'm sure I have, but it, you don't really, it's, it was just such a sweet, amazing moment that they're just both, like, grabbing onto each other, not letting go.
1: Yeah, it's, it, it's a surrender when she says, "I'm yeah. no, I'm lonely. He he's he's kind of like I think he feels like it's him comforting her, but it's absolutely an equal gesture. Definitely. And that embrace there's a lot of purpose, you know, there's a lot of certainty. We're just gonna comfort each other and this is what it's gonna be. And yeah, no, it's a it's a smashing kiss. Thank you for stopping me. For pausing me right there. It's oh, a, sorry, but yeah, no, I don't mean to. No, no, it. no, that's good. No, Justin, thank you. No, it's a, oh. it's a smashing kiss, and, and I'm trying to think. In the, in, the moments earlier in the film with Vincent and Justine, there Justine's constantly trying to slow Vincent down, to hold him, to be there in that moment, and so. Right there's lots of pauses and there's these beautiful sort of, um, you know, softer, they're in, they begin in soft focus before they become into sort of this crispness that sort of synthesizes what they're thinking about and then they, and then they kiss. And then there's the, in, you know, incredible sort of um, uh, uh, contortionist uh, Cirque du Soleil kiss where Val Kilmer kisses Ashley Charlie kiss. Right, chair, exactly. Um, <laughs> which, which is an interrupting kiss and it's a bit, you know, flirtatious and whatnot, but it's not, it's not the passionate one. And even actually yeah. Judd kissing Hank Azaria, it feels kind of gross. It's an ugly little prick right. after a dalliance. But this is like a genuine... They are both right now exactly what each other needs. And I think it's probably, it's probably so important, as you were, we were talking about before, is because you need to like this guy. You need to start rooting for this guy. And yeah. it can't just be a cold calculating bastard. It's like in this moment... You know that he needs this just as much as she needs it, if not more. Because she's at least more prepared to be honest about everything.
2: Yeah, and would he not and I always thought like would he not be as open to this happening and meeting her if if what didn't happen at the at the uh the armored car robbery, killing the guys, I think totally turned him around to thinking, like, I need to get out of this. Like, this is what can happen, like it seems like you know if that didn't happen and it went smoothly, he maybe he doesn't continue the conversation with her. Maybe he doesn't care. Maybe he just moves on. I don't know.
1: That is one thing I have not thought of. How much of an impact is that last Wayne Gross grew up to him even deciding that some of his upcoming jobs are going to be his last?
2: Right. Uh, it's huge because he's like like you like you're you're mentioning like he's he's rushing through that. He's like you're like I want to do this meeting. Do it nine nine a.m. tomorrow. Like. He, he just can't get it over fast enough you know he wants to do it right but he just and he takes the and he's taking a risk massive risk, and he's rushing into something
1: yeah it's it's he's i've never thought um i've never thought about that let me see you at 9 a.m tomorrow as a rush more that like he's just constantly working but it's really interesting that in that moment it's almost like as even if it is a rush or whether it's an instinct, it's like he has to get over what just happened. And the way to get over right. it is to keep working. And exactly. Whether so it's a rush to like, yes, i got to do it. i got to do it. I've got to find out right now whether it's even worth my time thinking about or whether it's like, I need to get over this. Really fascinating. Definitely. Well, now, after we've talked yeah. about that kiss, Justin, thank you <laughs> so much. You're for, welcome. Uh, for joining us on one heat minute. It's been an absolute pleasure, and as I said, there will always be a time and a place to tap to uh, to Justin Armayo. On the show, he was in the movie, and um, uh, he has a homework assignment after joining us um, to find the screenshot, and we'll put it up on the website, and we'll put it up on our social, so you guys can see it. So thank you so much for that, Justin. Guys, if you want to follow Justin, it's at Bloodsucker Jones, exactly how you how you think it's spelled is exactly how it's spelled on the Twitter. Um, you can check it out and keep an eye out for the for the sequel later on. If you follow Justin there, I'm sure he will let you know when that's happening. Justin, thank you so much for reaching out. Thank you so much for being part of the show. And guys, if you like Justin, wanted to be inspired to listen to One Heat Minute, and you've listened to the Movie Crypt, um, you'll also know that the amazing editor of Heat, Pasquale Booba, joined Joe Lynch on the Movie Crypt, um, and Adam, of course, and Adam are on the Movie Crypt, and he has actually agreed to be on the show, so. Um, we have got oh it's awesome Booba coming up uh, if you love the heat bits uh, and I can reveal it here you love the heat bits you will love Pascual Booba coming up very soon and uh, and hopefully about some of his favourite minutes if you listen back you might hear a little bit of a hint a little bit of a sneak peek of what we're going to be talking to about him but look Justin thank you so much for your time um, oh thank you guys thank you so much for listening oneheatminute.com is where you can find all of the stuff that we do um, if you're on Android, I'd recommend Stitcher. is probably the best place to get our podcast. If you're on um, Apple, just go straight to iTunes. You'll find us there. Um, Please subscribe, rate, and review One Heat Minute. Thank you so much to Paul Davies for our music, to Garth Franklin for our website design. Thank you, Justin, for joining me, and thank you guys for listening. We'll be back with more One Heat
2: Minute very soon. Thank you. Thank you.